Um, so a meme as we know it from the internet is not necessarily what meme means. Um, Saying meme means ten times fast. Meme means meme 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 Everybody and welcome to another episode of Who Is My Doctor? Hooray! I am your host Zach, and I know a lot about Doctor Who. And my name is Cassie. I'm also a host, and I don't know. She don't know nothing. I know nothing. She knows. She knows one episode's worth of the show at this All point. All I know is fine dining and breathing. Fine dining and breathing. But we're on to the second episode today. We uh, are this, indeed on the second. This episode one is today. called The End of the World. I thought the first episode was the end of the world. Nope. The first episode was called Rose. This is the end of the world. Again. Yeah. The, the end of the world. The end of seems another world. To happen often. <laughs> I mean, a common premise for a lot of sci-fi things is. I suppose it just. It, what a bold, bold statement. Yeah. Here, first episode, we're introducing you to our titular characters. Second episode, it's all going down, baby. <laughs> the world itself is ending. So we're going to continue this bit from the last episode where I have, uh, we're going to just let you guess mm-hmm. what this is about. I know last time we had you guess who Rose is or what Rose was and oh now you determined it was a person. It's um, going to be tough. It is going to be tough because it's called The End of the World, which not really, doesn't really narrow it down in terms of sci-fi premises. Nope. Um, so I'll just give you another little nugget. This episode prominently features a character also named Cassandra. Whoa! What? <laughs> Yeah, it's a very rare thing. It uh, truly is. There's only one other show that I can think of off the top of my noggin that has a character by the name of Cassandra, which is the Rapunzel Tangled animated series. <laughs> Not the Rapunzel show. Uh, yeah, the like antagonist, for lack of a better term, is also named Cass. Okay. And then there's Cassandra Peterson, but our that's a whole other bag of worms. <laughs> yep. Uh, this uh, this particular episode does prominently feature a character by the name of Cassandra O'Brien. Whoa, Irish. Um, so I'm going to give you uh, just that little nugget. Of, that is that it, there's a prominent character named Cassandra and the title is The End of the World. Can I also cheat a little bit and see what the thumbnail is sure. on the specific streaming app that we're using? Sure. Uh, Damn it, it, that doesn't help at all. It doesn't help all. at all. Not even a little bit. It's just... Christopher Eccleston leaning over the TARDIS <laughs> console. There's no help at all. No. Dang. Dang Daru. Um, okay. So I'd imagine that this is not necessarily a, a continuation of the Nessine. Am I saying that right? The, uh, the Nestine N- consciousness? Nessine. The Nestine. Nesting. Nestine. Nesting consciousness. N-E-S-T-E-N-E. Um, I... I imagine that we won't be seeing much of that again, at least for a while. I can't remember a time they ever come back. Okay, cool. So this is a whole new big bad. This is something else. Uh, If I had to take a wild, wild guess on my Cass's Right calculator, is it perhaps um, a different world? 
You know what? That That's going to be my guess. We're not on Earth anymore. This is the end of another, a different world. Okay, so you think that they, like, they... We're the invaders. Interesting. The human, human invaders. Rose hum- is the invader. Rose is the invader. The Doctor and Rose are now a paramilitary Cassandra organization. is a, an alien name. An alien. Sure. Cassandra. Yeah. Cassandra. <laughs> Spelled with, a, like, six commas and randomly a hyphen. Cassandra. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I definitely, that that's my guess. That's what I'm putting my Cass's right bet on. Alrighty. Is, uh, it's the end of not Earth world, but a different world. Okay, so end of not Earth. You think it's, a, you think it's an invasion from, hu- from humanity into another planet is what you've, is what you've said. Not an invasion of humanity necessarily, but I do think that the Doctor is going to go to this other space and help that world not end okay well that's an interesting thought so we'll put a pin in that um, um, as far as who cassandra is probably the best person in that episode if i had to guess based off of historical cassandras <laughs> which if anybody knows anything about historical cassandras we all suck <laughs> back in the olden days of a uh, greek mythology cassandra was gifted the uh, the ability to see the future from apollo hated it and then Apollo went, you don't like my gift? Fine. Nobody will believe you fucking ever. And then she had a prophecy of the invade- invasion of Troy and was telling everybody about it. And they went, Psh, this dumb lady doesn't know This anything. dumb broad over here. This dumb broad, this little baby, she don't know what she's talking about. Throw her in the prison. And then we all know how that story ended up. Um, so all Cassandras are cursed. <laughs> And so this Cassandra is also probably cursed, but like in a cool way. Well, we will both find out. Well, you'll find out. I already know. Uh, so you will find out how how wrong or right you are as we watch this episode of Doctor Who C- Series 1, Episode 2, The End of the World. Ooh. End of the world. <laughs> This episode of Who Is My Doctor is brought to you by your mom. <laughs> Got him. Back to the episode. And we are back. Oh, from boy. Kaz, from all of Cassie's guesses being wrong. I'm so, I was so wrong. <laughs> yeah. My Cass prophecy, because there was a moment, there was a moment where they stopped in New Rome and I went, oh. <gasps> I was correct. Did I guess? Did I guess specifically the myth of Cassandra? And then they zoom right past it, and I could not have been more wrong. Yeah, they they open the episode with just ha- letting Christopher Eccleston play with all the buttons and dials they <laughs> stuck on. Play with buttons and dials, specifically the magnetic tiles that make up the control <laughs> panel of the TARDIS. Yeah, just just a, he's like he has like a he has a time plunger. It's a plunger that takes you through time. It flushes the time toilet inside the console. But they keep going a little bit further, a little bit further, and then they eventually wind up in the year five point five slash Apple slash twenty six. Apple. <laughs> 
I, I can't believe that even five billion years in the future, mega corporations can own entire years like Apple. Oh, <sighs> gross. They even brought in an iPod to really emphasize gross. it. A jukebox, a jukebox iPod. iPod. The irony in that is when I was growing up, my cousin had an iPod like stand, mm-hmm. a speaker that, you know, you could plug it in and it would charge and you could play its music. Um, and it was a jukebox. It was a small jukebox. And I thought that was the coolest thing and so them wheeling out this actual jukebox and saying it's an ipod uh it just came full circle for me (laughs) that was a a joke not made for me but i appreciated it specifically well we're we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here because uh when they first show when they first arrive they arrive on this uh satellite observation deck sort of situation Actually, even before that i did also have oh. another uh i i had a revelation during right. the theme song what's that 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 that's where rick and mortar got rick, rick and mortar <laughs> rick and mortar i don't know if we wanted to say the name of it just because it's like a no you can say rick and mortar but yeah i i watching watching and actually paying attention to the theme song this time i was like oh hey wait a second this sounds familiar because of something else that was very clearly inspired by this. There's been a lot of theme songs that are inspired by this. Br- Rick and Morty is one of the most obvious ones, for sure. I mean, we could even take this full on and say that you could argue as well that Rick is a Time Lord and Morty is his pet companion. But that's getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I, there there is something to be said that it's sort of borrowing... It's sort of borrowing the spirit of Doctor Who and this like older figure and younger figure traveling in, in through the traveling through the universe together. Because the the very clear comparison is Doc Brown and Marty McFly, but I, from what I understand, and it's a deviation of it, Doctor Who seems to like to uh, enlist the help of a female companion. Uh, not always. Not always. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. throughout, throughout history, uh, the doc, the various doctors have picked up uh, different companions. Usually, they're contemporary. They're special they are, friends. I do, I do think there are more women than men, like in in the whole. But the longest running companion any doctor ever had was was a male. Um, um, wait. No. So, do all of the male companions do they fit in the doctor's clothes? Are they just the doctor's Allens? <laughs> You know, uh, it is, they don't necessarily share clothing, uh, but the companion I was mentioning of is the second Doctor's companion, by the, whose name was Jamie McCrimmon, Whoa. Uh, who, is ex- who is extremely Scottish. Whoa. Uh, but he, he, his actor and the, and Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor's actor, really enjoyed uh, playing up the implication that they were in a gay relationship together. Saucy. Uh, Wait, as, in like the yeah, as 60s, fa- as much as they As far as they could. So they were Ken and Alan. A little bit. Like, they pushed it as far as they could back then. Ooh. Like, they couldn't say anything, but they could, like, jokingly hold hands. Like, Ooh, as, as, like, uh, because Because back then, they were shooting on film. Yeah. And so they could only, they could only afford to do two takes. Because otherwise you'd be wasting film, and so they could they could, they would just do it in both takes, and then oh well, what are you gonna do? Those cheeky fucks. Yeah, love that. <laughs> but yes, uh, I do think more often than not he picks up a female companion. But it, throughout history, it's been multiple times. Usually, it's a contemporary. Sometimes, however, sometimes, especially in the classic show, they haven't really done that much in the new show. Um, they'll have people throughout time. 
Like if they're they're from a different era in human history, come along. Interesting. Um, okay. There is one companion that's not even human, but you'll meet them later. Okay. Oh, and I was completely wrong about the end of the world. Ew. Yes, you are completely wrong about the end of the world. This is the end of Earth as we know it. Though not even an invasion. It's no. just the sun is being freed to expand into a red giant. <laughs> uh, yeah, when it, when they said that it was the end of our world, I went, man. Yep. Uh, they reveal that the Earth has been uh, maintained by what's called the National Trust. By science! By, by, well, more accurately, by money! By money and science! <laughs> yes, they're use, they've been using gravity satellites to hold the sun in place, and they've used uh, money science to keep the Earth as we know it, which was, according to them, a classic Earth, and definitely not to save money on having to come up with a different map to map over the Earth, the Earth globe in a... Uh, in their well, after the, effects the program. justification for that was eh, like yeah the 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 continents did move they moved them back classic earth yeah gotta yeah we we tried new coke and we didn't like it so we have classic coke back again but now the national trust has run out of money and so they are freeing the sun and the sun very quickly in about 30 minutes expands to its red giant almost form exactly 30 minutes to uh to swallow up the earth there was a part of me that did appreciate the fact that the countdown in the show was, I, I think, real time. It was, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like down to the second, but I'm... It, well, no, because they have five minutes and then suddenly they had ten seconds. So, yeah. you know, for theatrics. Yeah, So, but, uh, but you could feel like there was at least an attempt to maintain a sense of... Uh, well, because when they got down to 25 minutes, I was like, yep, we're about halfway through this episode. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah, and but and you know to to their credit, there it does give it this sense of like you know verisimilitude, where you're like, okay, we're we understand that time is flowing at this rate, and so by the time where time does have to skip forward a little bit, you kind of don't notice it. We understand that things have happened that were not crucial to the telling of this particular story. Yes, um, none of that super matters. I just uh, it you know, a little detail that I appreciated. So they uh, they are on this observation deck, and they're not supposed to be there. So the steward quickly uh, tries to accost them and try, and you know ask them why they're there. And the doctor reveals that he that he has an invitation on, uh, but the invitation uh, as we see it is a blank piece of paper, psychic paper, psychic paper. That's some charlatan bullshit, <laughs> and I want it. <laughs> it's funny they actually made it up because they because this new series is a different format from the old series. Mm -hmm. The old series, every series would have like four stories in it, but each story was four to six episodes long. Okay, so you would have about 16 to 20 episodes exactly. in. Okay. Yeah, um, like it was a, it was a longer series, but each episode was also only 30 minutes. So it ends up being about two hours of content for a single story. But not every story that works for Doctor Who worked in that time format. Mm-hmm. So there were some times where to pad out a story, the doctor uh, in a place where he's clearly not supposed to be winds up in prison a lot. If you just keep your main character stuck in time out, you really can draw out that story a little bit longer than you probably should. However, now that each story has been cut down to lasting about 45 minutes and there are only a couple of two-parters, they can't do that all the time. But they have still built in this narrative in the universe there. People will still arrest the doctor. So now he pulls out psychic paper and he goes wherever he wants. I understand. So it's, a, <laughs> it is a tool 
meant uh, to continue the story. Yes, it is a tool that helps expedite the story in <laughs> a believable you. fashion. That is the word I was looking for. Yes. Uh, shortly after that, a small parade of aliens show Frankly, up. Frankly, a surprising amount of impressive makeup and costume work. Yeah. Like, considering how janky the computer graphics are, but we forgive it because it's television in the early 2000s, this, the makeup and costumes right. and, like, some of the, I suppose, puppets... Like, I mean, not, I think not, I, the not face puppets. of Bo is definitely a puppet. Yeah, the face of Bo is because I spent a good couple minutes going, is that practical or is that computer? Because either one, it looks fantastic. Yeah. And it truly wasn't until I was catching how light was hitting it in a specific way. And, you know, light travels through water different and that's harder. To and you animate. can compare it and, to the CG, to the little CGI chrome robots. Yes, that are... and, and so I was like, oh, my God. Oh my god, that's real. <laughs> and yeah, and the the like tree people, the little guy that's like hovering around on like <laughs> what is effectively the baby Yoda. He's like, like he's a, he's, on, he's on a little Roomba. <laughs> yeah, on his own little Roomba, but like, you know, obviously it was just the actor's face and then everything else was all like prosthetic. Prosthetic like puppet basically mm-hmm. cuz you know really move any of that well it's the only way you could get like because he had little feats <laughs> yeah no he had his fake little feats that were definitely wiggling waggling any way they wanted but everything else looked good even the like her name was jabe yes jabe jabe the, her, the, the trees the, from the forest of i think it was the forest of cheem she a descendant of the rainforest yes um her edges which is also like I I say that as a the prosthetics that were on her head, not her edges, but like it works in both contexts. But uh, you they smooth, like you could not tell. Yeah, that there, I you could clearly tell, but it it wasn't obvious that it was a latex foam yeah. headpiece. Yeah, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't look it didn't look fake. We know we know it is fake because we're watching a TV show. But you could not see any part where it was like, "Ooh, it's there's a up. Se- there's no seams." Icky. Yeah. yeah. There and was only one moment I noticed the entire episode where it happened and it's not even on her face, it's her chest because they also put her in like a chest piece. And and her like hands too. Yeah. There, she moved her hand in a specific way, but her hand didn't move yeah like she, or she or she would move <laughs> and her skin would move a little more than it's supposed to or a little less yeah in or this a little case, less or she was moving it but then her finger was not her fingers were is, not like, going if that's went. the worst you can say about a her hands looked funny yeah like that's the like it's so good uh, especially for 2005 yeah with th- it did feel a little face-offy uh which i can forgive that because hey it it's fine it was entertaining to watch. Yeah. I spent a better part of that episode looking at everybody in the background because that was sometimes more interesting. Yeah, I really feel like um, this was a really nice way of the show sort of pulling you back gently from what we know as the modern world. Because we because that first episode was entirely, you know, in con- in the context of the show, modern day. It was, yeah, two, it, it was 2005 London. It was here, something you're familiar with. And now second episode, let's take you into something you are uber super not familiar with. We do not want you to get comfortable in this being just another. I, w- I would actually disagree. I think while, while you are while you are looking at all of these like alien species, they're anchored to knowing the Earth is just there. 
So I was just I was thinking it's a nice it's a nice way of like showcasing uh, it, like it gives it gives you the feeling of this like we're you're, we're not just a sci-fi show set in modern day in the modern day world but we're also very human centric in the sense that our main character is human uh the doc or not our main character but our like yeah, she could be the main female protagonist yeah our our uh our audience surrogate is there and th- and they are a constant and they are human the doctor looks human they they both have a very strong care for earth as a planet but at the same time we can have this story that tells we can have this story that showcases the kind of impressive work we can do designing alien species. However, we're still going to make the aliens a little bit human because they all assumed gender, <laughs> which I know wasn't a huge, huge discussion topic in 2005. It's just something I noticed. Yeah, it, there is something very well. I we say that we say that, but then at one point, Cassandra says that she grew that she grew up on the Earth as a little boy. I mean, to be fair, I'm also Cassandra, and I, too, refer to myself as a little boy. <laughs> yeah, so, I think that's just a trait with the name, my guy. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, that could just be, I mean, it could be a joke or it could be a reveal. I, who knows? I mean, because she also, uh, Rose also does refer to Cassandra at one point as Michael Jackson, which, like... It was before he had died. Yes. Yep. But I was like, okay, maybe they're trying to do something <laughs> and it's just the joke isn't landing yeah it, it's one of those like you have to accept it as a 2005 joke brain in a jar yeah a little bit but the uh the aliens start exchanging gifts with one another and the doctor realizes he didn't bring anything but he is standing in front of a tree person so the best thing you can give a tree is carbon dioxide and <laughs> air from, from my, my lungs, lungs. <sighs> I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that this year for everybody's holiday presents. <laughs> and the tree is like, and the tree is like really impressed by it though. She's like, Ooh, it's how intimate. intimate. Oh my God. <laughs> Just like it, it, it seems to turn her on a little bit, which is funny. It's, all- it's as if you went to somebody's house, like a housewarming present. And you said, I don't have anything for you, but here is a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> Here's a smooch from my lips. Here is a pat on the head. <laughs> Here's a slap on the ass. <laughs> yeah. Which I I wouldn't say no thank you. <laughs> I would be a little confused, but I would accept that as a gift. <laughs> depending on the person. Depending on the person, that is a good way of putting it. Um, and, and the we- doctor is clearly somebody that Jabe is interested in. Yes. So, you know, or at least the Jabe or the Jabe or at least Jabe is interested in the doctor in the concept of she seems well, she seems and again, it could be the intimacy of it, but she it does seem that she's like at least intrigued enough by him that it's well, because she's intrigued enough to the point where she does she uses her little like <laughs> scan pad. <laughs> Her little leapfrog pad. <laughs> a little leapfrog pad? <laughs> with a scanning uh, accessory. Specifically because she is curious about what he is. Yes. And so there, there is that part that's like, she's she's intrigued from the get-go. Yeah, I gotta wonder, I have to wonder if she was intrigued in that, like she was scanning him to find out his species. One, if she was just generally curious what he was, or if she was like, can I hit that? Do our, does... Do, do, does my is he tree? Can my flower receive that pollen? Ew. 
<laughs> She's a tree. Ew. She's a tree. That's how it works for them. But we also meet uh, the, the adherents of the repeated meme. Can my flower receive that pollen? Ugh. So the term meme <laughs> okay. was that established in two thousand five? I don't. I don't know. I will say the term meme. What does meme mean? So meme is short for memetic, which basically is this uh, memetic, and that just means an idea. So that when they see a repeat, your voice put it out, so you sounded very roboty. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's not necessarily what meme means. Uh, the technically a literal definition of a meme is just an idea. Mm-hmm. What we understand as a meme is a thing shared around on the internet. An idea shared around on yeah, the internet. Yeah, basically. It's like we understand this is this being this kind of meme, this kind of idea that we can share because otherwise it's kind of difficult to describe to define a meme because it can be so many different things. Yeah. It can be a video, it can be <laughs> an image, it could be a quote, it could be all it's so many things that it that it comes down to just an idea or a meme. And so the adherents of the repeated meme are not just people who post on Tumblr a lot. <laughs> it means, you know, the idea is their adherence, they're the adherence to an idea. That was one of the only times, and I'm sure that more are to come, where I went, this show is too smart for me. <laughs> I don't get it because I'm thinking that this is underneath each of their robes is just a dog in a room on fire going, this is fine. <laughs> just the every, as every single one of them goes, look at all those chickens. And they were roommates. <laughs> oh my God, they were roommates. Because yeah. that's what they do in their room when they're not handing out their present orbs, which is what they hand out. They hand out little present orbs. <laughs> just little, just little pinballs. <laughs> Uh, we also meet a lady, Cassandra O'Brien. I could not have been more wrong about Homegirl. Lady Cassandra O'Brien. Oh dot Delta God. seventeen. I'd, uh, her father was from Texas, and her mother was from the Arctic desert. <laughs> the Arctic. Her mother was a penguin, and her <laughs> father was a racist. Why do you assume if he's from Texas, he's a racist? Am I wrong? <laughs> Obviously, her father was a longhorn steer. Sorry. <laughs> That's why she's the last human. You get you mix a longhorn steer with a penguin and you get a person. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't know that that's how science works five billion years in the future. <laughs> you get a piece but of she, skin. But she has had so much plastic surgery done that she is effectively a piece of paper with blood running in the middle of it and a face. Oh, God. There is certain, like, Hi. I'm a big fan of true crime. This was one of the first times I watched a show and went, that's fucked up. <laughs> it just reminded me specifically of, um, in the Zach Bagans Haunted Museum, they have skin samples in the Ed Gein room. Oh no. They're not like the people that he killed and murdered and you know ripped the skin off of. They are human specimens that were specifically medical specimens that were donated to the museum so you as the guest could visualize and see what you, you might have seen in his fucked up little farmhouse room. Oh no. Um. So yeah, seeing Cassandra like that I went <gasps> Yeah, especially because you can it's not, just, it's not that she's just skin you can see the blood pumping underneath it. That was the, that was almost a saving grace. It The thing that really irked me and it's just Little, little nitpicky, little something. Her mouth went all the way through. 
Yeah, there her were... mouth was just a hole. <laughs> her mouth was just, there was just black. Was uh, it just whole, it, you could see through to the other side. Well, you almost wonder because I hated that. Where are her vocal cords? Yeah, I, I almost kind of wonder if her face like is an illusion. Illusion or not, it's gross. Because there's also no like eye stalk behind the eye. It's just an eyeball. I would imagine that any sort of like nerve endings nerves and such that would attach are just stretched out so thin <laughs> they've had so many tiny little thin extension cords plugged in from her eyes to the brain no reason no way that her brain is in control of the rest of her body with a question mark because <laughs> her brain is just in a jar under her stand her skin though is stretched across a metal frame being pinched in place with binder clips i don't know how her brain functions in this scenario do you think she's just in pain constantly from those binder clips actually no nerves too thin can't (laughs) feel a thing uh, and yes. she needs constant moisturization, which, relatable. I wash my hands a lot at work. <laughs> Moisturize I me. also in constant need of moisturization. So if I could have two little dudes. <laughs> with just a jar, with a jar of lotion and each one in their hands. Moisturize me. <laughs> um, one, with, one with moisturizer, one with hand sanitizer, just so you have options. Mm-hmm. But she is apparently the last human... Uh, Despite the fact that she looks... Uh, last pure human. The last, the last pure human. The last human who has who has two sets of purely human parents. So, uh, we I retcon what I said before. Her mother was not a penguin. Yes, that is true. And her father her was not a steer. I was also wrong. Her mother penguins, probably, and... <laughs> yeah. The Arctic Desert. And Cassandra brings out, brings out two presents uh, to commemorate Earth. Uh, the last ostrich egg. Uh, which ostriches, according to legend, have a 50-foot wingspan and breathe fire. Um, as a uh, zoologist, I can confirm that is I correct. Can, with a degree, with three degrees in zoology. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very true and accurate. <laughs> Any cave drawings of primeval creatures and uh, medieval texts that depict dragons, those were just ostriches. <laughs> and she also brings out what she calls, we've already sort of referenced it before, but an iPod that was really a jukebox. Um, and the jukebox holds classical music, including the song that they first play, uh, Tainted Love, in which the lyrics, specifically being Sometimes I Feel I've Got to Run Away, seem to, sit, seem to hit a little too close to home for Rose, and she has to run away. I, I would argue for both Rose and the Doctor, but... Yes, I will say that I don't know if any joke ever continues being funny quite like people of the future referring to modern music as classical music well even now like you can refer to something as like oh it's an oldies and then put on a song from 1982 yep because that's almost that's like 40 years old that is 40 years old (laughs) in my head the 80s were only like 20 years ago (laughs) Work. Um, but it's one of the like it, it's always funny, especially like the weirder or more modern a song that you pick is. I will say, jumping ahead a little bit, uh, they do play an Earth ballad, which is "Toxic" by one <laughs> Britney Spears, which is, and that joke is funny no matter when. Which is the song "Toxic"? You can kind of drop in anywhere, to- and it's funny. Toxic being referred to as a ballad. <laughs> We're not talking Beethoven. Just, We're not talking about Mozart. Makes you picture like talking about toxic, like an old time balladeer with a with a 
not a not a not a guitar but a like, lute. like a, yeah a lute just wandering the streets you're toxic i'm slipping under those are the only lyrics i know <laughs> <laughs> with the taste of the poison yeah there you go this is a little jester hat jingles as he as he strolls by but then but as rose sort of ruminates off in the corner she meets one of the crew members who needs permission to speak but she has to speak to ask for permission Right, it does. It so is it's just a little wacky. It also is just one of those working conditions haven't improved in five no, billion years. Uh, no, 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 no. It's five billion years, and we still have people who are like, "Oh yeah, I'm too poor to talk." But also, I did have the thought, like, how traumatizing to be whisked away to a time that you are not even kind of in touch with. Five billion years in the future, and not only are you having to grapple with the fact that everyone you knew and loved is long gone and forgotten, but you're also about to watch your home planet burst into flames. Not just everything that you know, but everything you probably could have known in your time. Any sense of familiarity to you just gone. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's partly why she had to run away. She was freaking out about seeing all of these, you know, very obvious aliens. And then being represented uh, by, or having the human race being represented by By a bedsheet. By the quote, uh, bitchy trampoline. Yeah, later on, Rose refers to her as a bitchy trampoline. (laughs) What a, what a, I I hope Russell the Davies felt really proud of himself when he wrote that one, because that's a good, that's a good jab. And it's it's right there. And it's and it's the kind of jab that only works. It's the, right there. Like you can never you can never I refer to anyone else. I could not go into jab. work and refer to one of my nasty customers as a quote bitchy trampoline unquote. <laughs> I will. This will be my new task. <laughs> Every day I'll go into work trying to find my one true bitchy trampoline. <laughs> Uh, but when the doctor comes over to try and comfort Rose because she's clearly panicking in the corner, she starts pressing the doctor for where he's from because he's also an alien. He just looks human. He just says he's from the here and now. He's he's from around. He's really defensive about it. I, d- I did <laughs> like, though, that as she's, like, losing her, like, losing herself, being upset that her mom is dead... He takes her phone and he puts like a little timeless transmitter into the back. And in that moment, you go, oh, the doctor is a little empathetic. Yeah, uh, he he does seem to. I mean, he does genuinely like people. He's just kind of bad at communicating to them. Well, I, I think a lot of it is just that he doesn't understand. And he is, after all, an alien. Yeah, that is true. And I, I do think that a lot of like. A lot of scholars do say that the thing that make humans humans are the or is the breadth of emotion. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can only imagine being a, a alien, not understanding emotion in such a wide breadth, um, not really knowing what to do with that. And especially not knowing how to deal with a, a girl fresh out of her teens. Yep. Hormonal, like she's either, she's either, frontal cortex, not fully there yet. Yeah, she's either about to be 20 or has just turned 20 and therefore knows so little about what's about to happen to her for the rest of her life. 
Yeah. Um, and she's been taken away from her home, the poor thing. I mean, taken. She chose to go away. She went <laughs> willingly with a stranger, that though. That is true. It was, and she it, didn't realize what she was doing until halfway through the episode where she went, Oh, no, I'm traveling with a stranger. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, I, I fucked up. I fucked up. The worker that she'd been talked with is working on the plumbing and uh, in the vent that she's working in finds a little robot, a little a little mechanical bug. Uh, it's only got four legs. They keep calling it spiders, but it only has four legs. So it's not a spider. It's it could a just be a spy. It's, <laughs> or a, a dirt. Sp- yeah. uh, it looks like those, uh, it looks like a small version of the walkie thingies from uh, War of the Worlds. That it does. And apparently it is wandering around the, uh, wandering around all of platform one uh, and one of them finds their way into the steward's room where it lowers the sun filter it on doesn't him. find its way the 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 meme lords give the steward a, one of their gifts of peace yes the the and he takes it in so into he his office willfully takes it into his office yeah not real not realizing what it is uh, but then it opens up and the little bug comes out and it crawls around for a little bit until it gets onto his desk and then pushes one button and lowers the sun filter. Which I feel like if you're if a sun filter is there for your protection, there should at least be three buttons you're pressing. Or maybe just no buttons. Maybe it just shouldn't be low. Maybe there shouldn't be a way to lower that. I mean, there's practicality to that, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure someone out there breathes vacuum. At some point there has to be a practical <laughs> purpose for that. But uh yeah. There should have been way more than the one button. Gertrude, we have to lower the sun filters. How else will we eject the poor out into the vacuum of space? Zach, if they pick their boogers, where are they supposed to flick them? (laughs) Gotta lower the sun filter. Honey, you know I hate when you smoke in here. Lower the sun filter at least and hold your cigarette outside. Cigarette bursts into flames is gone in milliseconds. Yeah, it is funny whenever the sun filter lowers and you could see like the heat, the trail of the sun's heat. I'm like, that's not how heat works. And it's not how heat works. And also sun filter lowers. The room that you're in is exponentially hot and there is no oxygen. Yeah, it's like all the oxygen would, imme- would immediately get sucked out. I believe ins- the oxygen might actually catch, like, I, I think that the the room itself would catch fire. It, I, it's possible. I don't know if it would instantly catch fire without some kind of spark. Mm. Or, or unless, it, well, because they, they say that with the shields around it, it only gets up to about 480 degrees. So it's still too hot to live in. But it's not so hot that it instantly ignites the the atmosphere. I suppose you could bake a nice little tray of cookies <laughs> in those conditions. You could instantly burn a tray of cookies. <laughs> no, I guess 480 degrees would it would it would just cook what probably too fast yeah, to be satisfied. We would get the outside, but then the inside would still be ooey gooey and raw. <laughs> so what we're saying is the steward when he got burned alive, he's still ooey gooey and raw in the center. Yeah. <laughs> Mmm, a nice stewardy center. Mmm, squishy. <laughs> the uh, the doctor decides to investigate what's going on, and uh, he said, "Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah." Uh, Jabe, the tree, the tree woman, uh, said, comes hey, along, and what's going on? Jabe seems to know what race the doctor is. Um, 
we could skip ahead a little bit here. That she refers to him as a time lord. And she apologizes. I'm sorry for your planet. I didn't know if that was because her race had something to do with it. Or if it was just a general like, ooh, that's rough, buddy. So th- this is, again, skipping to the end of the episode a little bit. But the doctor explains that... The war. Yeah, the war... The war it, lore. Yeah, the, 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 the time war lore, war, time lord's war lore. Um, Ooh, one more time, bud. The Time Lord's War lore. There we go. <laughs> they apparently lost the war very badly, and their planet and entire species were burned from existence, with the Doctor now believing himself to be the last Time Lord. And that is why when she says, I'm sorry, he's already crying. Your term of phrase, believes to be, leads me to believe there are other Time Lords? I mean, the belief in this moment is that there is only the Doctor. Mm. Um, or either, before that moment, the belief was there wasn't even the doctor. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, he, him cry, him soft. Yeah, it, it, uh... Him sad. He, he carries a deep sadness within him that all actors love carrying. My note was, he's running from his past, and then I went, <laughs> oh no, he's mourning his past. Yeah. That's worse. Yep, he, uh, he, he's got a bit of survivor's guilt. Rose decides to confront Cassandra about being supposedly Ugh. the last human, despite oh my God. looking like, quote-unquote, a bitchy trampoline. Oh, she's so bad. She just keeps talking about how humans were interbreeding with other races and being human-ish. Yeah, they were Digimon humans and Pokemon humans. Half-humans. Half-humans, human-ish. I was really rooting for Cassandra to be decent like secretly cool even though she was like rich and spoiled Con- conceptually i i love that idea of a uh, skin frame but <laughs> as soon as she opened her hole of a mouth well you got to remember cassie she's literally heartless where does the blood come from it's a good question i didn't think about that until i made that joke Ew. <laughs> Inside, like, one of the compartments is just, like, not even her heart. It's just, like, an accordion. It's like... Hee-hee, hee-hee. Oh, my God. Pumping blood through her body. <sighs> and, uh... Because the blood is pulsing in her, like, paper thin. Yeah, you could see it moving. Yes. She's got glass bones and paper skin. <laughs> this is... I'm not gonna sleep tonight. This is gonna bother me now. Yeah. Uh, well, then after... Thankfully, I will not get closure because I don't think Cassandra comes back. Maybe. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well. Um, the, uh, they all confront everyone in the main gallery, and it's revealed that Cassandra made up the adherence of the repeated meme. And she is actually the one behind all of this because if she was hoping to create a hostage situation where she would make all the profit from it. Uh, but she had a backup plan, which is kill everyone on it, and she just has stocks in their opposing companies, and they'll all make a lot of money when she when that when all their competitors die. I hate her. How has nothing? Why is this all just feeling like now? This is five billion years in the future, and not a single thing has improved. <laughs> this is five billion years in the future, and twenty-ish years ago. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Cap. Cal- Cal- Calipatism. 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 
Cassandra uses teleportation tech to get away, and the spiders all explode to, to lower the shields. And the only way to raise the shields back up is to go across this platform of moving fans. And I feel like the platform of moving fans seemed a lot more tense on paper. Oh my god. Because <laughs> they're going is, so slow. It is annoying. Because it, it, it is beefing up the the moment. It's trying to build intensity and build suspense. The only thing it was building in me was frustration and annoyance. Because there's many times where it's just like, and step, and and then by the end of it, she's like, oh, she's the heat was so much it burned the tree woman alive. I was like, yeah. Instantaneously it, it, burned it, her alive. It wouldn't have done that if you had just moved a little bit faster, which you absolutely could have done because of how slow the fans were moving. He spent a lot of time thinking, which feels odd for a Time Lord. It feels odd to for To spend a lot of time considering the options. It feels, it feels a lot like really weird for the Doctor, even just given the last episode we saw. Because he seems one that's way more willing to, like, Impulsive jump in and do almost. things. Yeah. Where it just feels weird that he's, like, just kind of standing there, like, eh? Eh? Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps he was too uh, taken back with grief. He was still thinking about it. He was staying a lot on his mind. It's like, yeah, I, should, I could jump in front of this fan, but right now I'm thinking about my mom and how my mom's dead. <laughs> He's thinking about where Cassandra's heart is. <laughs> is that a heart, or is it just like an accordion? Yeah, that's that's what's taking him a, a minute. <laughs> yeah, keeps thinking he's about to go, and then he, like, ADHDs in another thought. But the doctor does manage to pull the lever down and save the day. Everyone, uh, most of them survive. Uh, little, uh, the guy in the Roomba does get burnt alive. Uh, so not everyone survives, unfortunately, but... Uh, the big old head was the, okay. The big old face of Bo was just fine. Face of Bo. He's the face of yeah. I don't. What I don't, an icon. Yeah, right. So she goes. I don't know if they. I, I have to look closer, but it really looks like at the end of his hair there are like little eyeballs, almost like he's a beholder. I really hope that the face of Bo still exists in somebody's like collection room. A fa- I mean, oh, you mean like the the prop? Like face the prop, of Bo? yes. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's probably. I mean, that's. Probably it's. It, I'm not without going into in too much. The face of Bo does come back, so it's a. It's at least prominent enough that someone might want to keep it around. Well, because I also imagine too it, because of. I suppose reboot, <laughs> the Doctor Who reboot of uh, of this time and era, there had to have been somebody that was just, itch itching for a. For new memorabilia. If I had to guess, there's actually a Doctor Who museum. I'm gonna look it up in Cardiff, um, or at least it was in Cardiff. It may have moved, but um, I, if I had to guess, it's there. I'd have to guess it's at the Doctor Who museum. But then, uh, but as after they save the day, the Doctor cracks open that ostrich egg and finds the teleportation device, and then reverses it to bring Cassandra back. And then immediately her skin starts drying out because she made the whole place way too dang hot. Uh, Cassie, have you ever seen a villain die from lack of lotion before? I really wish in that moment that we had a camera on my face because I've I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, you were genuinely kind of horrified. I just wasn't expecting... It had almost 3D movie qualities mm-hmm. where the bits were just coming right at you. Yep. Uh, it, and it's not just like the bits, it's that you can see her skin 
like changing color and texture. I could see her eyes changing color first, and yeah. that's the part that threw me off. Yeah, that wasn't wasn't great. Uh, but then Rose tells the doctor to save her, and his response is, "Everything has its time, and everything dies," and then just stares at her. Not at Rose, at Cassandra. Well, he doesn't have lotion. Nobody has any lotion. Yeah, but I'm more just like it's sort of. How would he save her? It's still just kind of. It's kind of brutal to be like, just like if I, if I, like even if I couldn't save, like, say there was like an, like say there was an animal on the side of the road, and it had been hit by a car and was already gonna die, and I just went, everything dies. That's that's brutal. That's different. If the animal said, "Hey, so I'm gonna kill all of these other animals and make you know? a bunch of money off of that," if you saw Trump dying because he didn't have enough lotion, would you say, "Here you go, buddy. Here's a tube of I mean, Aquaphor." That man's never had enough lotion, so that's kind of. <laughs> Here's a tube of Aquaphor. Save yourself. <laughs> Here's some Cerave um, on the house. <laughs> My treat. <laughs> Because I think in that situation as well, I would go, ooh, sorry, buddy, fresh out, as I'm tucking my Carmex away in my back pocket. <laughs> and so they've saved the day, but every, but it doesn't seem that anyone got to actually watch the Earth, the earth uh, burn to a crisp because they were all trying to save themselves. So the doctor's way of helping her is by taking her back. I don't know if it's necessarily to 2005, but it's back to the Earth she knows. And he explains that whole situation about his species, you know, basically being extinct except for him. And that he is the last of the Time Lords. And then they go off and get fries together. Yep. Which, you know what? I feel like I would also do something very similar. (laughs) It's very relatable to go through traumatic events and go... Hungry. I want some french fries. (laughs) Is there a McDonald's near here? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. So now this is your second episode here uh, with the, with Christopher Eccleston's Doctor. Do you have, you have a better opinion of him now than you did last time, or is this... Uh... So I'm still taken aback a little bit by the dynamic between him and Rose, because at one point I wrote down brother-sister dynamic, because it did feel... When he takes away her phone and then puts in the little, like, transmitter, it did feel a little bit like, I can see you're clearly upset. Let me do the thing as the let me do the thing as like your quote caretaker in this moment to make you feel better Mm -hmm. which i went okay cool i can get behind like a brother sister like that sort of thing because she does mention her dad in this one i think that he's just kind of a like a puff of air (laughs) i don't know that we care that he exists or not so i disregarded that sort of dynamic but then she like kind of grabs his hand and like puts her head like on his shoulder which it could go either way so i'm just still a little confused by what their like their relationship to one another is because although he did reveal some of his more intimate details i suppose Mm -hmm. or like backstory his own personal time lord lore there were still some things that or there is definitely still things that she does not know mm-hmm. he's still for all intents and purposes a stranger to her even more so now than before because she knows for certain he is not human yeah and there is not any other person like him so i suppose we i will just have to wait and see 
what it turns into because right now it's still kind of in like a what are we and and it i mean i will say that 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 sort of ambiguity um is not my favorite thing i do like having very clear labels Mm. it's just a neurodivergent thing but you know (laughs) i mean i there is something to be said because they brought it up in the first episode that rose at least at least in her personal history has thrown herself at men when she probably when she definitely should not have she talks in the first episode about having a boyfriend in high school that she dropped out of high school for and that is and that boyfriend is not mickey so clearly that she has some kind of history of just throwing herself at guys even still which like, you know would bring up her dad i'm not gonna say she has daddy issues but i'm not gonna uh, say she doesn't i mean considering how not super nurturing her mom is but I I suppose this is a I'm curious enough to wait and see well, how how this all pans out. I did also not realize that there are thirteen. How are there thirteen seasons series? What? If we're gonna be if we're being real, the show has technically been on the we're air for sixty years. We're only doing we're only doing this part. No, no, we're not. We're not we will only do stuff if you're interested in it. Or if I think there's something that is particularly good to show you. Or a Patreon special if we get to that part. That could be fun. Like that could be fun if we uh if we if we end up in a position where we can do something special. We'll leave that to you guys who are listening to this. If that makes Would that it into interest the you guys? If that makes it into the episode, which uh, messages on our various social medias, and you can uh, you can let us know if that would be interesting to you. Otherwise, we're just gonna keep chugging along here through uh, the new revived series. Give us five stars. Yeah. Just anywhere. Yelp. Just like even you could even just, you know, tweet at us the words five stars and we'll still feel the appreciation. Um, but you also, can... you know, five stars does help with uh, the various podcast algorithms. So that would be very nice. to. You to... can mail me via Carrier Pigeon five gold star <laughs> stickers and I will get the message. <laughs> or four. Or three, if you're not super three and a half it. would would be would feel a little bit better than four, I think. Uh, knowing that you put in the effort to cut, not even more than four, <laughs> three and a half would feel better than three. One of the stars had to go on the outside of the envelope to keep it closed. <laughs> that would be such a like we get the envelope. Oh, just only one star. <gasps> There's more stars in here. <laughs> I look forward to the rest of this. For anybody keeping count, my current tally out of two episodes is uh, I only got one of them right. So, so we're we're now you're you're one you're one up and one down. One up uh, and one down. I've made two guesses for each episode, so I've out of four, I've only gotten two correct, which you know fifty percent. Yeah, it's not too bad for so far. But we will see how that stacks up as we keep going through this new series next time on who is my doctor who is my doctor we'll find out together hey postpod zach is back once again thank you so much for listening we hope you had a great time If you did, please give us a like, subscribe, five stars, whatever offering you might have to feed the great maw of the algorithm. You can also follow us at WhimdyPod on Twitter, Blue Sky, and on Instagram. That's W-I-M-D-P-O-D. There we'll post special previews, or you can just let us know what you think about the podcast. 
And once again, as part of our premiere, there is still one more episode out for you to listen to right now. So we'll be right back with The Unquiet Dead.